0: Okay, Wife of the Party, back with Paulina Pinsky. We always have such a good conversation. I had an intention for this podcast, and we just started talking about everything else. And I think it was actually better, because when you're open, things just kind of unfold like they're supposed to. So it was a great conversation about, I don't even know where to start, about she just had COVID, um, about what that was like, about Tinder and Hinge and all these other things. I don't even know what they are, that she was swiping on during COVID. About her new Artist Way um, series that she's starting June 5th and 6th. June 5th and 6th. And Wife of the Party sponsoring another uh, scholarship. So, if you like, you can go to paulinepensky.com and you can uh, click on her Artist Way link. And uh, there's a couple questions to fill out if you're interested in applying for a scholarship. And if you don't get the scholarship, she's offering a discounted rate for our listeners who have applied for the scholarship and didn't receive it, which is so generous and so great. And The artist Way, if you don't know, is kind of a, a, a self-reflection series of kind of your creativity and your path as a creative person. And it's supposed to be very powerful. So check it out, Paulinapiskey.com. I always love my conversations with her. I feel like I found like my little sister that I never had. And it's just so lovely to have her every time she's here. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Paulina.
1: I rode my bicycle past your window last night.
0: It's been so long. It's been too long. Your hair's awesome. Thank you. Is it different than last time I saw you? It's blonder. I like
1: it. Thank you. It's very pretty. It's my this is like my it's like longer default. Dude. Yeah. I'm trying to grow it out.
0: I am That that's sparkling. We are out of flat. Are you I okay love with sparkly? that? Me too. I'm probably gonna burp, but that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I won the I won the belch contest in Florida. <laughs> I did. I won the Florida State University Cheers. Belch Contest. Co ed. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I was a freshman. Lillian. Oh, I know how to throw down <laughs> it's no no it's no coincidence I married who I did <laughs> because in college I obviously was not as prolific but I like to party yeah and I don't party like Burt parties yeah now but I like a good time yeah good times fun man yeah first of all are we started okay good I love your earrings. Thank you. They are knives. They are knives. Where do you
1: find all this fun, funky stuff? So this entire outfit was found at New Works, Mm -hmm. um, N-O-O Works. Mm -hmm. I think they're a San Francisco-based company, but they have a store um, in Echo Park, I think. Somewhere in LA, uh-huh. and I stumbled upon it. I've been a long time online shopper from them. Yeah, and um, oh, you can buy online. Yes, that's how I found them first. They're, it's I love the dress. Thank you. It's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, because I found them and I really like them because um, they collaborate with independent artists and the artists come up with a print and then they make that print into different styles. So you can shirts, tops, leotards, dresses, robes, underwear, mat, like everything. And so. Um, I I think I started buying stuff from them a y- a year or two ago, um, and then I was going to Big Bud Press mm-hmm. to get pants, and I saw the the flagship for New Works, so and I was like, I have I have to go in there, and this is a print that I had seen online, um, and of course I like made friends with the woman who like worked there, and she right. was like, when you walk into the store, sometimes you see the things that you didn't expect to be good and you try them on and all of a sudden you have to buy them and that's like exactly what happened with this dress
0: it's an awesome dress thank you yeah adorable because it's like I don't know I feel
1: like when I was in New York and like you know women's liberal arts college and like trying to assert myself I very much like veered into the sort of like masculine presenting Uh like you know like just less frilly and so when I saw this I was like oh like this is a really cute dress but I don't know if I'd wear it and now I'm like I this is my favorite dress so you know
0: that is a good thing about non-urban pl- parts of the world yeah frilly is still good yeah and I wore the frilliest dress to our mother-daughter mass the other day I got so many compliments on it and I was Aww. like it feels so good to be girly yeah sometimes obviously most of the time I look like this which is not masculine, but it's definitely not girly, but sometimes it feels good to be girly. Definitely.
1: I mean, I think what was like what I was reacting to when I got to college is that I was always girly. Like, Mm. yeah, you were. I was always girly. Seems like you were. Yeah. Yeah. And it didn't, it wasn't necessarily a choice. It was just kind of like default or expected or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so when I got to college, it was just like, I had to do everything the opposite. You know, it was that's when I finally had my rebellious period. You know, was in
0: college. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Finally, you know. So, how did it make you feel to 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 go into those places, into like those places in yourself that you weren't didn't feel like you were allowed to or didn't have access to, or weren't even aware of? How did it make you feel? It was super empowering. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think part of it was like I
1: was really angry and like anger wasn't an emotion that I had access to when I was like actively bulimic. You know, Mm -hmm. I think part of bulimia is coping with emotions through vomiting. Mm -hmm. And so when I stopped vomiting, it was like this wellspring of anger. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like that kind of manifested as sort of like a darker aesthetic. Mm -hmm. Um, and I like, I didn't cut my hair in college, which is actually surprising. Like considering that everyone, I like Barnard is like, everybody has a short haircut and Mm -hmm. like I, I was too short. I was still deferent in a lot of ways. Like I had friends who were like, your face is too round or the back of your head is too flat. And like all this like stupid, stupid yeah. stuff. Um, but like I dyed my ha- hair hot pink and like did it short and you know, like short for that time. Um, and, uh, I think, so I did this, um, they had this group called FemSex, sex, which is now called all sex, which is a, like an intersectional feminist discussion group Mm -hmm. um, at Barnard. And we did like we met every week and we'd talk about different topics of feminism, but also like gender presentation and things like that. And we did one week where it was like present um, as like the opposite of your gender expression or like what your personality is. And I kind of came to realize that like my personality is kind of masculine Mm -hmm. like at least in that moment it felt masculine whereas Mm -hmm. like I think in high school I probably was all feminine or whatever and I, I don't necessarily think it's like a strictly like binary masculine feminine but I think in that moment when I was being asked to sort of present in a way that was opposite to my gender I was like well I don't necessarily feel like I, I kind of understood the sort of non binary aspects of my personality, and mm-hmm. I was just like, "Oh, this isn't as simplistic as I thought it was going to be." Right. Um. And so, yeah. And I look back, and I'm just like, "Okay, like I wore black,
0: you know, like that <laughs> high waisted jeans." Right. And muscle. So tees. why why do you th- do you think it needs to be labeled? What you identify it is? does it need to be? Because yeah. I mean, if I had to label myself, I'd say I'm a tomboy. Yeah. But that's not any gender like accepted term but in my generation if I said I'm a tomboy everybody understood what that means I'm a girl who's not girly I'm a girl who's adventurous and likes to get dirty and has no problem fishing and doing stuff that quote guys like to do yeah but I also like to wear dresses and go on dates with boys and do girl stuff yeah but that term seems kind of obsolete these days it's First of all, I love your shoes. Oh, I thank just you. Saw them,
1: those are amazing. That my husband gave them to me. Oh, he did good. He also, did. thank you so much for inviting us to the. Oh break. my god, that was how fantastic. awesome was that show. Bert. Okay, so I have to confess, like I'm not, I wasn't familiar with his work. No, no. I mean, like with my dad's like peers or whatever. No. Like I don't. Right? It's weird. It's like I I I knew you, and I was like, okay, like. Either it's going to be easy to look at Leanne in the eye or not, you know? Like, <laughs> it should be easy. No, it was, uh, it yeah, was yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think sort of like what Bert embodies, like symbolically at a distance, like feels like, okay, like, brah. Brah. But yeah. then, like, I saw his show and, like, he's a masterful, masterful storyteller. Mm-hmm. It's full of heart. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just... It was brilliant. It was absolutely... I've, I haven't i have laughed that hard in a really long Aww. time. Like, it was really... It was absolutely stunning. Aww, and I was just like... Thank you for saying Yeah. That. And also, like, knowing you and, like, having met George and Isla, it was just, like, especially funny because it's, like, he is characterizing each of you as you are, you know? Like, yeah. he's not... He's... I mean, I imagine that he... As you said, like, he sort of blows up the narrative yes. to, like, comedic heights. But, like, how he characterizes each and every one of you is, like, so... Like, he captures you yes. so beautifully... And so it was like this beautiful moment of like, oh, I know those people. And I'm laughing because of the recognition of knowing them. But also like just how he tells story is like literary, like how he how he tells story is is absolutely literary. Yeah. And so I was just like absolutely blown away and like really inspired and so thankful for the opportunity to see him.
0: Oh, I'm glad you guys came. Yeah, it was a
1: lot of and we also like haven't. We haven't like gone out as a family in a long time, so that was really nice. That's great. I yeah. know. I'm so
0: sorry I didn't get to see you much after the show. It's a, you, could, y'all were working. Oh my god, it was so overwhelming. Yeah, um, I imagine there were so we had 110 personal guests. Oh my like god. you you were on our personal oh, guest list. Oh, thank you. And then we had like. 100 industry on our guest list so we had 210 people and there were some people i didn't even see at all yeah i had several people where i like called the the next day and went did you go (laughs) (laughs) yes we were here we loved it we had so much fun i was like i did not see you at all yeah i had had three couples that are just personal friends that i never even saw wow so um and they came to the after party and everything and i still never saw them so I felt really bad. I didn't get to do more than say hi, but no, we t- we totally understand. I know you understand. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you know that your dad is Bert's like, not his origin story, but he's your dad is really important to why we have this life today. Really? Yes. Here's why. Bert was asked to be a guest on Loveline with your dad. Did not know Drew at all. Showed up. Did Loveline went fine. I was listening to it. Isla was a baby and I was listening. I was so excited because I was a big fan of Love Line. Yeah. and I was like, Dr. Truth called you to be, oh my God, I can't wait to listen. <laughs> so I'm listening to it. And at the end of it, a caller calls in and says, why don't you tell the story about when you robbed a train? And Bert was like, God, I hadn't thought about that in years. Let me see if I can remember this story. So he just off the top of his head, tells Drew this story on Loveline. Really? And then Drew called him after they were finished um, recording and said, will you come back tomorrow night and tell that story again? No way. Yes. And from that Loveline, Joe Rogan said, hey, will you come on my show and tell that story? No way. And then Bert said, maybe I should write this as a bit. And then that bit, we recorded, he recorded in his second stand-up special called I'm the Machine. And he posted... The machine story on YouTube, and one like the day after Christmas, I look on his YouTube, uh, not YouTube, on uh, Facebook. I look on his Facebook and I go, "Wow, this story is really kind of blowing up. What's happening here?" And I go, "Hey, babe, this story's blowing up. You have like a hundred thousand views." And he went. <laughs> 100,000 views. That's nothing. Got it the next day and it had like a million views. Oh, my God. And then the next day, a million, it's had like 87 million views now. Oh, my God. And it was because someone called in on Loveline and said, hey, why don't you tell Drew the story about the machine, about robbing the train? And then Drew said, come back and tell it again tomorrow. So if Drew had never said, hey, that's the most amazing story I've ever heard. Will you come back and tell that again tomorrow? That was the tipping point that you um Facebook post, well, he said this on stage, I think, where the, the number one post was, I was on this train and he robbed me and it's 100% true. Right. That would never have happened if he had never been on Loveline. Wow. Because he had totally, fr- he was embarrassed of that story <laughs> because he's a criminal. Yeah. He didn't want to tell me, he didn't tell me that story for years because <laughs> he was like, she's going to think I am a freaking Horrible person. Yeah. Like train robber. Yeah. Red flag. So, exactly. <laughs> so he never told me, never told anybody. But Drew said, that's one of the most amazing stories I've ever seen. Please come back and tell it tomorrow. And then Joe heard it. And then, and then, and then, and then. Wow. So until the end of time for anything, anything like special to Bert like this, you're going to be included because wow. Drew's the origin.
1: And we that's weren't even, beautiful. we didn't even really
0: know him or talk to him after that incident. Yeah. I don't think Bert got to know Drew. Until they started working on, like, your mom's house network together. So that was years later. I mean, the machine story, I was 15. She was a baby. Like, a baby in a a crib baby. So it's been, like, 15 years ago. That is so so wild. Isn't that crazy?
1: That's so, I mean, what a beautiful story. And it's, uh, I was watching, um bob and the monster last night i don't know that. which is um the documentary about bob forrest who, oh yeah so who worked with my dad yeah, i know who bob i forrest actually was the the guy who came up with the concept for celebrity rehab really yeah and um in that i mean obviously every addiction meant like fucking like documentary it's like okay there's dad you know it's like there <laughs> <various. laughs> huh? um but it's it's kind of a similar thing where they had a um they had a sort of like a uh, Loveline was he came Bob Forrest came on Loveline and my dad was on and I think it was when like when he was doing the Ask a Surgeon. So originally when he did Loveline, it wasn't called Loveline. Mm-hmm. It was just like a late night radio show and they needed a doctor to answer medically based questions or whatever. Interesting. And so he would go on once a week and they would do a segment called Ask a Surgeon. Mm. And so I, I was assuming it's from the Ask a Surgeon um, era because it wasn't specifically Loveline yet. Um and they have this moment in which like someone calls in and is like, oh, my friend disappeared for two years and she has a cocaine problem and I don't know what to do. And Bob Forrest answers in this way that's like very like empathetic and soulful. And my dad literally said on Love Line, like, you you have a future in this, like you could have a career in this. And then he ended up, you know, having a whole career in it. Yeah. Like years later. um And it's just really amazing to hear that. Yeah. my dad sort of has these impacts and in, in sort of just like understanding or, or perceiving someone's talent and like validating it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I try to do, you know, yeah. where it's like, you know, with Artist's way or whatever mm-hmm. it is, it's just like seeing someone for who they are and like reflecting that back at them.
0: Isn't that all we really want? Yeah, true. I don't need you to tell me who you think I am. I need you to see who I really am. Yes. And reflect that back. Yeah. Yes. That's all you ever want. Yes. That's
1: so beautiful. I didn't know that that was the origin story. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I didn't even meet Drew or your mom or talk to them. I never even met them until they asked Bert to be on your dad's podcast when it was in your house. remember those days yes with bob bert and yep. bob and your dad did a podcast and then your mom asked me and bert to be on her podcast oh, that's so we so... and that's the first time i met either of you oh parents. my god that's so funny yeah i don't remember how long ago that's been a while but this lady the lady the psychic that gave me the reading yeah. was like mind blown i yeah. sat down and she was like so you this happened in your childhood and this happened in your childhood and this and i was like oh my god Yes, to
1: all of it. It was yeah. crazy.
0: It was a crazy moment.
1: I don't have religious trauma. I just have psychics coming to the house and telling me that Elvis is in the room,
0: which is its <laughs> own. <laughs> crossed bear.
1: That's kind of amazing. It's ridiculous. It's funny. I don't know. I mean, I think... It's fun. It's super fun. Yeah, it's fun. I mean, it used to be super embarrassing. It did? I mean, kind of. It's like we left for college and then my mom had a podcast where she would bring clairvoyance on and they would talk to dead people. And then my mom, like, I mean, I'm, I'm at the point where it's like everyone's a little clairvoyant. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? It's just mm-hmm. like kind of being attuned to your surrounding and being spiritual and mm-hmm, sort of totally whatever. Um, but it was definitely like a transition. It's like, well, what do your parents do? Well, <laughs> <laughs> my mom has a podcast where she talks to dead people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but she has a lot of really good conversations with them. So yeah, it's true. interesting. It's an int- I totally believe in that stuff. Me too. Completely believe in
1: it. I do too. Yeah. I'm like... like it. It's kind of in the same way that like I imagine like a lapsed Catholic to be where it's like I have a healthy dose of skepticism because I grew up with it. But also like fundamentally, I believe in it,
0: you know. Oh, totally. I'm yeah. that way about religion. I was just talking to somebody about religion. When was I talking to them about it? I was like, I, I mean, I grew up. I didn't really grow up in a church. I didn't go to church. I was in high school. But I absorbed so much from... And I went every week by myself. My parents didn't go. You went by yourself? I did. I went wow. to church because I wanted... I think I wanted something. Yeah. Like something to hold on to. And then at a certain age, I was like, am not really sure that two of every animal on the planet was on a boat for 40 days. But <laughs> I get what you're saying. He was rewarded because he was faithful. Got right. it. That I get. Yeah. But the, uh, yeah, the cheetah definitely ate something. There's no way. <laughs> That everybody got off after 40 days. Yeah. There's no way. So I took what I needed. And and I think that's what's meant to happen anyway. Is that is the principle of that story is about having faith and believing that God will take care of you. Um, okay, I totally believe that. Yeah. You know.
1: My mom tried to pass me off onto, the, like, the one religious Christian in my elementary school class. And she took me to church for a little while. And then, like, I went to their, like, youth group or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I went to church, like, probably for a month mm. um and after the youth group they were giving out like diplomas and they were like these little like fluff ball guys with like glued on googly eyes yeah yeah and they would give it to you if you confirmed that jesus christ was your lord and savior and so on the ride home the mom was like paulina do you confirm jesus christ as your lord and savior oh my lord and i like wanted that fluff. i was like yeah jesus christ is my lord and savior uh amen
0: and I, like she gave me the <laughs>
1: diploma i'm like Ripped off the fluffy guy and I was like, yes like Jesus
0: rules. <laughs> so this is what I'm talking about. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> for my fluffy googly eye guy. Literally. Thank you. Yeah. That's really funny. I used to teach Sunday school. Really? How about that? That's so I taught Sunday school here in LA. Um, I went to church for a little while in LA and I I don't know what it was a Christian church. It was not Catholic. I don't really know what denomination it was. But I love teaching Sunday school because I love the principle, which is just to be a good person. Yeah. Like what you're saying is be a good person.
1: Well, so I watched this documentary called, I think, On the Way Down. Um, It's HBO documentary about this woman. I want to say her name. Her last name is Shamblin. I can't remember her first name. But it's this woman who created her own church based on a workbook that she did based on weight loss. It was Mm -hmm. called The Way Down Bible or whatever. Mm -hmm. And way down workshop. Yes. Way down workshop. There we go. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and basically like the, the tenets of it is like intuitive eating essentially Mm -hmm. of just like, you know, listen to your hunger, but like, she was like, turn over to God. And when you're like not hungry, like you should be focused on God. And like, and so people were like losing a bunch of weight, but then like, as weight loss goes, people gain it back or whatever it is. Um, and she inevitably, like, she made a lot, a lot of money doing that. Um, and, it kind of it culminated into sort of like its own cult like church thing mm. and I was thinking about how like I don't know I mean in the documentary they talk about how like in the south like the bible is taken very literally Yep. um and I part of my literary education in high school was studying the bible mm-hmm. like all four years like we use the bible as a literary text mm-hmm. so I'm very familiar with the 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 Bible. The Bible, which yeah. is, like, interesting. Yeah. Um, But I do not take it literally. And then, like, at one point, I could tell you, like, the genealogy of different families in the Bible because mm-hmm. I had to be tested on it. Right. Um, Ugh. And so I think what's been uh, was super interesting about that documentary is sort of, like, how, like, religion has sor- sort of, like, taken on, like, a cultic fervor and mm-hmm. how, like, weight loss is, like, sort of, like, the religious fervor that a lot of people feel generally. Interesting. Where it's, like, okay, the Way Down Workshop, like, that's, like, one sort of, like sort of religious dogma around weight loss Mm -hmm. but like there's weight watchers and there's like paleo like it's sort of like keto blah blah
0: blah blah blah, blah, yeah
1: and so it was really interesting to see sort of like the manifestation of like people's fear of gaining weight and like people like not eating it's just like super disordered stuff in Hmm. that area but also at the same time i was like this isn't just this world you know what i mean like no it's not it's not at all um But yeah, I was just, I was watching that. I had COVID last week.
0: You did? I'm negative. I got it. I I I didn't think you'd show up and go, (laughs) by the way, I'm positive. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was bad.
1: Was it? It sucked. It was just like, uh, I don't know. I think prior to getting COVID, I was definitely starting to feel like a little frustrated by like I had gone like, to the beach with my family and like we went to a bar and like I danced out outside in the world and that was like really fun and I was like okay like yeah I can be a sober person in a bar people just assume you're drunk anyways mm-hmm, you know that's right and like I'm a very like adventurous like attention-seeking dancer so like people assume I'm drunk and I'm like no this is just who I am
0: right right um so
1: much more fun that it way, is isn't it? it is it's so much more liberating it is yeah it but is. also then it's like When I get tired, it's like, I can't push through, you know, it's like, oh Uh my God, I can't, there's nothing I can do here. Yeah. Um, and then we went to cruel world. Um, and so apparently Morrissey wouldn't play unless there were vegan vendors there. Okay. Um, and I went up to the drink tent and I was like, hi, can I have a diet Coke? And they were like, sorry, like we only are giving diet Cokes, uh, for mixers. And I was like, are you sure? Like, really? And they were like, yeah, I can like give you a cup of whiskey. (gasps) And I've never done this. But in that moment, I was like, I felt very vindicated. I was like, I'm a recovering alcoholic. And they were like, yeah, sorry. Like, we can't give you a Diet Coke. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I was like, how is it that there is like 500 vegan vendors? And yet I cannot get a Diet Coke. Jeez. It was so messed up. And that's so, a little
0: extreme. Yeah, it's so extreme. Think? That's pretty extreme.
1: It's like no one's like watching. Like you can just give me a Diet Coke, be a decent human being, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so I was starting to feel frustrated by sobriety and that like I can't alter how I feel mm-hmm. unless I drink caffeine. And then sometimes it's just like I get anxious and then mm-hmm. I can't sleep. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this sucks.
0: You know, it's like well, can I tell you this? Yeah. You look totally different. Really? Yep. You look really a lot a lot less fragile. Really? Yeah. And you look very comfortable in your skin, so to speak. Thank you. Whereas before, you looked like, not like cagey. Yeah. A little cagey. Yeah. You know, I'm good. I'm good in here. I'm good in here. But am I good in here? I'm good in here. I'm good here. Like, just a little yeah. cagey. Yeah. Like, figuring it out. Still finding your footing. Yeah. You look totally different. Well. Really solid. You look... I don't know how you feel. Oh, no. I'm, feel I feel solid. great.
1: I mean... I'm five months sober now. That's
0: amazing.
1: Which is crazy. It's almost half a year. That's
0: amazing.
1: And. Congratulations. Thank you. Well, I just thought it was funny where it was just like, I'm tired of like being sober and I can't alter my mind. And then like literally universe was like, have you tried COVID-19? Like (laughs) it's a sick new virus. Like
0: (laughs) talk
1: about mind altering. Like. Is that I'm, the first time you got it? First time I got it. Mm-hmm. I'm very thankful that, like, I got it post-vaccine. Totally. Like, I went two years without getting it. My mom was able to take care of me. Like, I, you know, as far as it goes, it was a luxe. Yeah, totally. Experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also it was like,
0: all I did was Tinder. All you did was Tinder? What did you do on Tinder? Did you stupid, swipe, swipe, swipe? Stupid, stupid,
1: stupid. Like what? Well, okay, so... I have to catch stupid, you up. Stupid, stupid, stupid. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, okay. So before I got COVID, um, I, so like two months ago, um, there's this concept called 13th stepping. What is that? Where someone with time s- tries to date a newcomer. Okay, got it. And so this person had. But, some, but they're not supposed to do they're that. They're not supposed to do okay, that. Okay, okay. You're so supposed to a bad wait a bet. year. Yeah, okay. So this person, we met at an, a meeting mm-hmm. uh, or after a meeting or during fellowship. And I was literally wearing a sweatshirt that said, welcome to the shit show, ha. which is from my friend, Andrea's podcast, adult child. Uh huh. Um, and they asked me out and I was like, Oh my, like I've never been asked out from like real life before. Mm-hmm. And um, basically like what it was a very intense two week, like not love affair because I like, what didn't have sex with him and like very purposefully did not. Yeah. Um. But it was just like a romance. It was a romance. Let's yeah. say let's call it a romance, but it was like really intense, no boundaries, like in each other's faces all the time. Interesting. Isn't um, that
0: what you did before?
1: Yes. Yeah. This is okay. what I do. This is like the, like the love addiction intensity, yeah, yeah, you intensity, know? Yeah. Um, so long story short, basically what happened is like, we got like really physical to the point of sex. Yeah but didn't do it. And then I started spiraling uh-huh. because like I was only like so much time sober and like I wasn't supposed to be dating somebody and, you know, all this stuff. Yeah. Um. And so that person decided to end things. That person. Now I can see was not a prime candidate at all, no, because they were. Well, well no, but yeah, no, no boundaries. Well, th- well, my dad was like, OK, well, if you can date without like spiraling and having no boundaries and losing your sense of self, like, yeah, date but it sounds like this person's a predator.
0: And And he was. And well,
1: I, I just like I looked at my dad, I was like, Were you there?
0: Like, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> no, but I've been around this block before. Yeah. I your dad's been around this block yeah. before. Yeah. Which is so frustrating, right? I know it's got to be really frustrating. Well, because I didn't talk to him about it because I knew he was going to tell me
1: I was doing it wrong. You yes, know, like yes, I knew he was yes. going to be like, "Don't do that." Yeah. But I was like, "Is the universe like bringing this into my life because it's meant to be?" Or like, "Is the universe bringing this into my life because I'm supposed to say no?" Like, all like I was just I I was it was that intensity that yeah. feel I was like. High on the romance, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so after that, like I had a rough month.
0: Mm. Like I was
1: really sad for like a month. Aww. And I think part of it was like he was really nice to me. Uh-huh. Here I am trying to be like they. He. Um, he was really, really nice to me, very complimentary, blah, blah, blah. But I also am like, oh, that was love bombing. You know what I mean? Like, what's love bombing? Love bombing is when you're like you overload on affection too soon, where it's oh. like, I love you and you're so like I want
0: to marry you and all this stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and so it was like And, and that said that for the record. Bad that's, news. That's a red flag. It is a red flag. Yeah. Um so That's I, someone who has no boundaries. Well,
1: this person has no boundaries, yeah. like. He's not self-supporting. Longest relationship had been two years, two months, excuse me. (gasps) Oh, no, no, Close to 40. Like, like had been in psychosis for the past five years. Like, just like, there were so many red flags. And I was just like, but he's funny and nice to me. (laughs) And, you know, it's, it's, it's like, I guess it was like, I don't know. I can see now it's like, oh, like the end of my last relationship was so traumatic. And like, I was so starved for affection in that relationship. Mm. That like, in comes this guy who's like, so much affection, um, which I couldn't see as
0: problematic because I was so hungry for it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the pendulum swung the other way too far. Extremes. And I only you can, handle extremes. Yes. Well, that's the thing about relationships. Um, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah. Sober or not, you're supposed to be figuring it out. You know, we have this thing. I did this myself. Every guy's my husband. Yes. I'm <laughs> definitely marrying this one. This is the one. And then two months later, you're like, that's not the one. And then you feel terrible about yourself forever thinking in your brain, this is the one. Yeah. Oh, what's wrong with me? I'm a horrible person. I don't think there's anything wrong with you to approach something with this is the one. Because if that's what you want, then why would you approach it another way? Yeah. You w- Why would you approach it with like, eh, well, you know, we'll see how this turns out. Well, I my mother would approach m- marriage. Yeah, literally on her wedding day to her third husband, she said to me, "If it doesn't work out, I just get a divorce." On her wedding day, and I was like, "I said to her, I don't think that's how you should approach yeah. marriage." And she went, "It that's what works for me." Well, six divorces later, yeah. you know that's, that's so expensive. Not how you. Oh, I don't think she pays for any of it, but wow. Yeah. I don't. How you approach it is is set your intention. Right. Well, that's
1: exactly. I mean, when I got engaged to my ex, like I all I could think about was death death yes i was like okay like, like upon
0: engagement like you put the ring on you were like dun, 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 dun.
1: You pretty much yeah really? like i was like well we have to think about our wills and like oh my the god like and then i would go on instagram everybody was like this is the love of my life like i can't wait to spend forever with you and i was like <laughs> how do i know he's the love of my life doesn't he have to prove that so many red flags. flags and i was just like um the problem is me i think <laughs> um it's my mentality um and so, uh, very unused to listening to red flags. However, I have it takes um, practice. It does take practice, yeah. but okay. So last <laughs> week, like month, like the month of like sadness. And I think part of it was like, he was really nice to me. So it was like easy to be sad about him. And like the way that my relationship ended, it was like very easy to villainize my ex. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, I think kind of like, I had a lot to grieve, mm-hmm. I think. And, um, what was sort of beautiful about that experience is like I allowed myself to feel sadness. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. And like, that was sort of the first time that I actually like kind of made a ceremony of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, and not in sort of like a, at first, not in a self aggrandizing way, but sort of in a like, Oh, this is what the contours of sadness feels like. Absolutely.
0: You, know? you have to explore that. You know, we, we try so hard not to feel sad, anger, grief, um, disappointment, shame, uh, guilt. We, Who wants to feel any of that? But the fact of the matter is if you don't, it becomes baggage. Yes. And you just keep packing it on, baby. All of a sudden you got a steamer trunk you can't even pick up. Yes, you're just pushing
1: it down, pushing mm-hmm. it down. And all of a sudden, like you have like a cement brick at the bottom of your You body. do. And yeah. the only way you can do it is to go through it. Absolutely. That's all you can do. Well, so that was like kind of the weird moment of April where it was like, I was sad and like, you know, my whole world was like recovery. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, Oh, I just like moved to a new city. I just ended a two and a half year relationship. Like I like, I was like hooked on this guy. So I went up and then down. So it was definitely like an emotional bottom. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was able to sort of make space for sadness, which is something that I've never done um so healthy yeah and sort of like you know in the program we talk about like staying in the solution and like Mm -hmm. part of that is like not to drink or use you Mm -hmm. know and it was kind of a moment where I understood that like sometimes the solution is just to feel the feeling
0: that's absolutely right Uh, you know there's nothing wrong with even wallowing Mm -hmm. as long as you don't stay there well that was the
1: problem yeah is like I started like like binging my sadness where it was like I isolated myself and then then I was tindering for hours and then that made me like being on tinder makes me want to drink because it's (laughs) like everyone is like 420 friendly drinking it's like how am I ever going to meet anybody if I'm not drinking or if I'm not smoking like how am I going to do this and then and then it was like well I'm going to be alone forever and you know that was a dark weekend you know where I like I understood that like I can binge on my sadness wait is there no sober version of tinder um, I think there are. I like downloaded one, but there aren't people in my area on that app, and I haven't explored extensively. Uh-huh.
0: Um, but there should be. There, there should be should like a good be one, a cool hip. One. I know because there's a lot of cool hip sober people. I know tons.
1: I know it doesn't. I don't think it really exists. Huh. Um. And so when I got COVID, I downloaded every app. You did. I downloaded every app because I like. I'm not a huge like tv person like i can watch shows sometimes but i'm not like i i didn't start watching tv until day three of my quarantine what um, were you doing just scrolling oh boy just swiping and um <sighs> made some mistakes made some mistakes gave my name my number to people that sh- i shouldn't give my number to um ended up FaceTiming with this guy who was like drinking and smoking bowls in his grandma's backyard. Oh,
0: classy.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's like, a good one. He's like, you're judging me. And then that whole thing, like, then I didn't set boundaries there. And it's just like big red flags there. In my defense, I had COVID. Wasn't thinking clearly. But I have one good story. Okay. Um. So after I tested negative, I had matched with this person who is a comedian. And we had, like, really good banter. And I was like, okay. And this was on Hinge. So, like. What's I, Hinge? Okay. So, there's, like, Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, um, Coffee Meets Bagel. Coffee Meets Bagel? Yes. That's adorable. Um, and I got onto Raya, which is, like. I don't know what that is. The sort of, like kind of the elite one. It's like the celebrity one. Oh. But I I had to like have a friend refer me. Like they didn't they didn't want me originally. Oh, really? Yeah, and they only show you like 8 people a day or something and it's nothing has happened there. And right. you have to pay monthly for it. Oh, wow. I, was, I just wanted to like see what it was like and yeah. it's not for me. I'm not it's cool not enough to be there. No. Um, but like, basically, I would just like swipe until I ran out of swipes and then move to a different app. Oh my God. Like, that's what I was doing. So, when I was what sick. are
0: you, what are you, are you looking at people's stories, their profiles? What was the pull? Is, was the pull romance? Was the pull lo- abating loneliness? Was the pull just boredom? What was the pull? All of it. All of it. I think understanding
1: who exists in the world, underst- like loneliness, which I'm understanding is like a very base emotion that it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily something that like should dictate my actions like Mm -hmm. I think that's sort of where I got to Mm -hmm. and I want to like explain how I got there Mm -hmm. um but like I think loneliness was like a big factor Mm because it was like my mom would come in and drop out food my brother drop in food and then I was like alone and like I didn't want to like talk to anybody you know Mm -hmm. it's like I'm just in bed with COVID I'm not good company yeah but like I can like swipe with someone get that dopamine fix and then like Simulate a conversation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So it's like the simulation of connection, which mm-hmm. is like the whole premise of online dating. Right. Um, And so I matched with this person and we had really good banter and I gave him my number and we kept talking and we went on a date on Sunday, last mm-hmm. Sunday, and it went really well. Like we like walked around Echo Park Lake and... Um, you know, really like fun time. And like, I went to his apartment and he was like, listen, he was like, I all like, he was like, you're great, but I already know, like, I don't want a relationship with you. Um, I, I've, you know, I've dated comedy adjacent person people before, and I don't want that like for wifey, like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. Um, but like, And in his apartment, it's like super mess, but like he's like a content creator. And so he had like a camera with like a a, like a camera with a teleprompter on it and like a green screen and then like a different like he has like he's fully set up. And so I was like, really, like I was like, this is a really sick setup, you know, and like he has an Internet presence and he has like he has like he has I don't want to say clout, but like he's talented at what he does and he's got stuff going on. Yeah. And he was like, I don't have time for a relationship. I don't want to do that. We could make out, make content, or like agree to like hook up and that's it kind of thing. And so uh, I was like, of course, like pissed. I was like, you don't want anything? Like, I'm amazing. Like, are
0: you kidding? <laughs> right?
1: Um, And I was like, but also I want to make out, you know? And I was like, <sighs> and so we ended up making out. And then he was like, okay, like we could make content or we could like escalate this. I was like, you know, let's make content. Like, let's make content. And so... He like he was like okay write a script and I like wrote a script and then he like put it on it he like he edited it put it on his teleprompters had me in front of his green screen we did one take they took the video like put it on his screen like edited it in like fifteen minutes and it's like the best TikTok that I've ever been a part of
0: wow you know and
1: I was like fired and, and like the thing is is like yes I teach artists way and like how to like access creativity and all these things but like I have become so perfectionistic with my stuff mm. and that like I'm really precious with like what I'm doing. And Mm -hmm. so it's keeping me from starting things. Mm -hmm. And so like I wrote the script and he was like, "Okay, you just make a choice. And he was like, come on, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah. And so in that moment, I was like, oh, this is actually like a really good like creative dynamic Mm -hmm. because like I'm a very attention to detail. Like that makes me a good editor. That Mm -hmm. makes me a good writing coach. Right. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, okay, you use this word or you use this grammar or whatever it Mm -hmm. is. Um, But it's keeping me from, like, actually creating and taking risks. Right. And so I, like, left his apartment and I, like, called people and I was like, you know what? Like, I don't think I should have sex with this guy. Um, And rather than doing the thing that I usually do, which is, like, ignore what they say to me, try to change their mind, confuse sex with love. Yeah. And then get disappointed when they don't have feelings for me when they said originally that they didn't want it. Right. Yep, yep. Um, and so, yeah, so now, so I have, I have props. He gave me, so he has a podcast. Yeah. His name's Danny Vega. Oh. Um, and he, um, has a podcast called AITA uh-huh. and he literally like gave me all their stickers, which is, um, am I the asshole? Which are, like, basically the premise is like, <laughs> they take scenarios and then they like, Figure out like who's the asshole in the situation. Yeah. Um. So there's no touching, sir. <laughs> um. Uh. I don't negotiate with emotional terrorists. Amazing. Um. There's I two hate of those. emotional you want ter- that one Yeah.
0: I hate emotional um, terrorists. This is
1: Am I the a hole? This is their podcast. That's awesome. Um. With his co-host Sarah Levine, this is like all their um, like YTA. Like you're the asshole. NTA not the asshole so yeah. on so forth and then my favorite breakup with him
0: <laughs> um
1: so now we're like we're buddies now you're and like, we're gonna That's like awesome yeah he's writing web series and I'm like coming up with a character for it and like so all of this is to say like I'm understanding like I'm learning from everything that I've been preaching you know where mm-hmm. it's like we've been talking a lot about red flags and like you know I think during COVID it was sort of like like when you're sick you're kind of like in your base self you know like you're not <laughs> you're not operating to the height of your intelligence no um and it's and and i think tinder is like such a quintessential like feel good place mm-hmm. even though it's a hor- it doesn't feel good ever um but it was just kind of like the firing off of dopamine so that i could like feel better about being isolated mm-hmm. and um you yeah, i quarantine and I, I you know i'm very privileged that i haven't gotten sick prior to this point but like quarantine sucks yeah
0: it didn't suck for me. Really? No, I loved it. Really? Oh, my God. I loved it. Yep. I loved it. Really? I, yes. You're no, like, finally a break. Somebody else is feeding the dogs. Somebody else is worrying about dinner. Someone else is doing laundry. I sat, I was, well, I was miserably sick. I had a terrible headache. Yeah. A terrible headache. And I just couldn't stay awake much. Yeah. But when I was awake, I was like watching TV and never watch TV. I don't sit down till like 930 or 10 at night every single day. Wow! So I get up at 630 and I do not stop moving until 930 or 10, uh, at least six days a week. Wow. So for me to be forced to just stop. Yeah. I would never have let myself stop. Like if I just have the flu, I've had the flu many times and just keep going. Wow. Just keep going. I'm going to keep going. But when I had to quarantine to keep my family safe. Yeah. Then I was like, Okay. Guess I'm gonna lay in the bed all day because I'm in one room and there's no chair. So I just kind of really indulged and enjoyed myself. I don't remember, I don't know if I've ever done that before in my whole life. Wow. Not ever. Have I ever been a person who just stayed in bed all day? Yeah. No, never. I just, not my, it's not my bag. Yeah. It makes me start feeling like a loser. Yeah. Like if I'm in, Bert always tries to get me, he's a big napper and he always tries to get me to come in and get in the bed and turn the lights out. And I'm like, I I feel like my whole brain goes, loser. You're a loser. Now, I can nap, yeah. but I need to nap like on the couch yeah. or in a chair yeah. where it's still light. And I feel like I'm just like, I'm just shutting down for a minute, but I'm not turning it off. Yeah. Or he goes to bed and I go, well, that's a loser right there. Who goes to bed at 10 o'clock in the morning? That's so funny. Nobody. Isn't that funny? See, I love, I love bed. He loves it, too. And I have no judgment yeah. on that. Yeah. That is just not how I am wired. Yeah. I just can't do it. I literally, my whole brain starts going, loser, get out of bed. You have so much to do. Yeah. But I nap almost every day. I just don't nap like that. I nap for like 15 minutes. A little catnap. A little catnap. Catnap does me right. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a crazy month or so. Yeah, it's been a long I didn't while. realize it'd been that long since I, I saw you. Guess so. About six weeks, maybe? Maybe. Maybe something like that. Because I talked to Kristen. We yes. podcasted. She was amazing.
1: She's so fantastic. What a beautiful person. She's so wonderful. Like, She's beautiful. I mean, just how she has shifted. Because I started working out with her, I want to say like April 2021. Mm hmm. Um, and working with her, I think facilitated this period of growth in my life.
0: Amazing.
1: Like single handedly How so? In that, like through showing up for like physical fitness, like spending time with her, talking to her, like she's so positive and Mm -hmm. like really goal oriented and growth oriented. And Mm -hmm. so it was like, you know, I'd come in and, you know, talk about whatever. And she would figure out how to like utilize that to sort of push me into action. Mm -hmm. And I feel like because I was working on getting physically stronger, I was able to do things that made me emotionally stronger. Mm -hmm. Um, And she, um, I think this is actually a Glennon Doyle mantra. Like we can do hard things. Mm -hmm. Um, But she introduced that mantra in my life. And like when I was, you know, trapped in the car with my ex going through withdrawals, like we can do hard things was like in my mind. Like I can do this, you know? And I think, because I have this influence in my life where someone who's like very um, positive and like strong and also like spiritual mm-hmm. um, in a way that feels inspiring, mm-hmm. like she has just modeled so much for me. And then mm-hmm. I did her nutrition um, mm-hmm. course, which was like, the bena- it changed my life. Mm, that's great. It absolutely changed my life. That's great. That's
0: so great. So it sounds like an amazing course. I do not have time to take it in yeah. June. I may have to take it the next time. Yeah, it. I am just well, slammed. Everyone should take it because I—I mean, it's
1: because I've done like done every diet. I've yeah. done, you know, I've been in eating disorder recovery for ten years, and like. That was the first time that I was actually granted sound nutritional information. Mm-hmm. Like I was actually being educated about nutrition. Right. And so now when I eat, I am thinking about how I feel and what I want to feel mm-hmm. and like the sort of the facts of food, you right, know, right. and I just I feel so empowered by the knowledge that she granted.
0: That's awesome. Empowerment is really the goal, right? Yeah. Even with working out or with uh, do working your job, your yeah. day job, you should try and find a way to make it feel, make to let it make you feel empowered. Because, I mean, i waited tables for years and years and years. And everybody knows waiting tables is a terrible job. yeah. It's just so difficult. Your yeah. whole job is taking care of someone who usually is very difficult to take care of. Yeah. So I would always try to think, how can I exceed their expectation? So that I feel like I've really done something with my day. Mm. Instead of going, oh, I'm going to wait tables again. Oh, this sucks. My manager hates me. I don't like my schedule. I don't want to work that day. I have too many hours this week. I don't have enough hours this week. Well, instead of doing that, I would always show up and go, how do I exceed my expectations for myself? How do I, how do I get a higher percentage of tips? How do I... um Make sure every person leaves here feeling they've really been cared for. How do mm. I do that? Mm. So because that was that made me feel empowered. Yeah. Um I could choose to look at the rest and say this sucks my manager hates me I have terrible section. Yeah. But I I just wouldn't do that because then at the end of the day you're just miserable. Yeah. You're just walking through the day miserable. So is that what you want? No. No. No, for sure not. No.
1: I mean, I think um so I'm I'm gearing up to do artist waves. I was June. just about to ask you yeah. that. When does it start? It starts June 5th and 6th, so the okay. Sunday and Monday. Mm-hmm. So anyone is welcome to sign up.
0: And we will sponsor another scholarship. Thank you so much. So, of course. So
1: you can apply for the wife of the party scholarship. Um and then I have a reduced like if you don't get the scholarship, I have a reduced rate for the people who applied for the scholarship. Okay. Um, That's so lovely. Yeah. I mean, that's really lovely. I got to support the listeners. (laughs) Thank you very Um, much. No. And, and, you know, I think I, I feel really empowered when I'm teaching because Mm -hmm. I feel like it's sort of what you're saying of like, when you're serving somebody in a sort of like a service oriented thing, it's like, I'm meeting you where you are and how do I help you get to the next place? Mm -hmm. How do I make you feel better. Right. Your dad. Yeah. Yeah. Same as your dad. Well, yeah. And I think, um, you know, what I think is really beautiful about the artist way, which is a 12 week spiritual workbook um, written by Julia Cameron is like it. The premise is that everyone is an artist. Mm -hmm. Right. And like it's more about like, yes, it's about unblocking creativity, but it's also about like bringing joy into your life. Right. Right. Like how you dress like I did not dress like this pre artist way. You know, like this is a. Function of artists way. No way. For sure. Yeah. Where it's like,
0: I have so much more fun dressing uh-huh. now. because You do have fun dressing. Oh, I, I, I love. love seeing you on Instagram. Thank I'm like, you. that's the freaking best outfit ever. Thank you. All the time.
1: Yeah. Because I I mean, growing up, like my mom like bought things for me and mm-hmm. it was like, you know, ice skating dress. Like it, I never was in control of my hair or my dresses or mm-hmm. whatever. It was always like, well, what's most flattering? Mm-hmm. You know, like, oh, you can't wear horizontal stripes mm-hmm. or you can't wear whatever. It was like there was so much you can't. So many rules. There's so many rules. Yeah. And now it's like, oh, I'm literally like, I was like, I had um, like my normal hoops on and I was like, I could wear my knives. And I was like, but what <laughs> kind of message am I trying to send? I, was like, I love the knives. I was like, girl, look at your dress. Like you are clearly object oriented.
0: Like, <laughs> I love the knives. Thank you. They're
1: awesome. They're really, I. this is my first time wearing them too. And no it's way. Like, I need to wear
0: them more. They're you know? They're so awesome. They thank are you. awesome. That's we were going to talk about accessing your joy today. Um, We got off on a little tangent, but this is a theme that's come up for me this week. I don't know why this week that presented itself to Mm -hmm. me, but it did. So I was talking to a friend about her husband who's not happy right now. Mm. And she's he just can't seem to access his joy. Mm. And I thought to myself, I access my joy all the time but I don't know that I was always that way. I don't know that I, I feel like I wake up joyful and I go to sleep pretty joyful. And of course I have frustrating moments and of course I have bad days, but my general theme of my day-to-day life is joyful. Mm -hmm. And so is my husband, we're both very joyful people. Yeah. So accessing your joy is like your week, we can do hard things. Yeah. I think if you have in your brain that your job today is to access your joy, even at your shit job, even if your kid's screaming, even if you feel bad about your body, even yeah. whatever you know your litany of negatives are, if your goal is to be happy, like my goal is always to be happy and to access your joy... Some, some For some reason, that term to me doesn't mean that you have to be joyful all the time. Mm. Just that you have to be able to access it. Because to be joyful all the time is a tall order, you
1: know? So, I have been starting to meditate. Have you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I have an amazing... My EMDR therapist, she's amazing. She's been sober 20 years. And um, mindfulness and meditation is, like, part of her practice. And... Um, she gave me a mantra that I've been like, I've been doing EMDR tapping before bed and doing these mantras. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the main one that's sort of like I've been wrestling with is, may I be fear? Oops, <laughs> I already messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> may I be free from fear? May I be healthy? May I be happy? May I live with ease? Mm. And when I tell my- when I'm doing this mantra, sometimes I struggle with may I be happy mm. because I don't That's know. the one you trip up on?
0: Mm-hmm. Why? Because
1: I tell myself, like, I don't know if I deserve to be happy. Yes, you do. Well, but that's the thing is, like, for whatever reason, I think, in, and, and and this is probably a function of my last relationship because I would say that my ex was not a joyful person mm-hmm. um, and very much was, like, caught in sort of, like, I mean, he's an antinatalist, so he thinks that we should, like, walk into extinction hand in hand. Um, you should what? Walk into extinction hand in hand. Um, he was anti having children. It was a whole thing. Okay. It was a whole, and and it it was a red flag.
0: Anti natalist. That yeah. means he doesn't want to have kids. Basically. Yeah. yeah. You like, okay. it believes
1: he believes that people shouldn't have children mm. and that we should just all extinct ourselves. Die. Yeah. Pretty much to
0: save the planet. Yeah. Mass suicide. Pretty much. Oh my God.
1: Um, red flag that I ignored. Yeah. Might be. Yeah. And so I'm on a new path. I'm accessing my joy by listening yes. to people when they speak to me. Yes. Um, and so I think when I was with him, I was very unhappy. Mm-hmm. And I kind of told myself like, well, happiness feels like sort of like an American entitlement thing where it's like, I need to be happy to be or
0: I need to present as happy, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of like. Um, but that is true. You need to present as happy. Right. That is a very American thing. Culturally, yeah, I think
1: so. But but I think that. It was a justification for me to stay in that relationship
0: ah. where
1: it was like, oh, I'm I'm not happy, but like, I don't deserve to be happy.
0: No, you know, no, no, no. and now like. But why do you think you thought that in the first place? Um, what's th- the origin of I don't deserve to be happy?
1: I don't think I was happy a lot in my childhood. No, I think I presented as happy and was very unhappy. I see. So you think that's what normal is. Like, to be happy and joyous, Mm -hmm. to feel liberated, to Mm -hmm. be empowered is unnatural. It's as unnatural as being sober, right? Right. Like, and and I think it kind of ties back to sort of, like, the frustration of not being able to produce a synthetic feeling. Where it's like, I felt happy when I was high and drunk, Mm -hmm. you know? I was able to voice things that I wasn't able to say sober, right? Mm -hmm. But then the next day I'd be hungover. The next day I'd feel ashamed or whatever it was.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, But if you can access it drunk, you can access it sober. Well, that's...
1: That's That's the thing.
0: I was in psychology class my freshman year in college, and I was a drunk. I drank all the time. And my psychologist was talking about altered states of consciousness, right? And obviously, when you're drunk, you're in an altered state of consciousness. And I raised my hand and said, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I can only dance when I'm drunk. Are you telling me I can dance when I'm sober? And she said, if you can do it drunk, you can do it sober. The body knows how to do it. And so I experimented. I went out that weekend and didn't drink anything. And I danced my ass off. And I went, I've been lying to myself this whole time. Yeah. I've been lying, thinking that I can only be happy in that altered state of consciousness. Mm. Not understanding that if I can be happy there, I can be happy anywhere. If I can have fun there, I can have fun anywhere. If I can be brave there, I can be brave anywhere. So that was one of the biggest aha moments of my young adult life was that one question I asked and that one experiment I did to test it. And when I figured that out, I went, okay, I started, fa- that's when I started phasing out of drinking. Mm. Um, no, well, it couldn't have been my freshman year. It had to be my sophomore year because I stopped drinking when I was 20, 21. Um, so I, that's when I started going, huh, interesting. Maybe I can learn how to do that sober. Thinking I needed to learn it. Yeah. But I already knew
1: it. Well, conversely,
0: yeah, the same things
1: you do drunk, you're going to do sober. So like me tindering and like ignoring red flags and all that stuff. Oh. Like So on the other side of the coin where it's just like these sort of neural pathways that you've paved in your brain, mm-hmm. like, exist. Oh, and, yeah. like, in the same... And, and I just think that's, like, sort of the devil ad, devil's advocate stance of just, like... <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> your shitty behavior from before is gonna pop up when you're sober, you know? Yes, it's um, true,
0: but you have judgment on your well, side. Well, for sure. And, and you have you choice. can modify and, yes, your behavior, you right? Have, um, hopefully, one would hope you have some self-regulation because you have all your faculties. Yeah, so for that's, sure. That's the... Well, Sunday I positive. made a sound choice yes, and now I have did. a creative collaborator, Look you Look know? at you self-regulating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. But That's I awesome. I love
1: that though because I think I think the minute you start questioning something is the m- minute that cracks are produced. Yeah. And um something I was thinking about a lot, um someone told me when I was like heartbroken over this dude who love bombed me. Um they told me about a, a, I think a Rumi poem about how like heartbreak um actually like we have become hardened like our hearts are hard and when we have heartbreak it like it allows for softness Mm. and that like that's where the cracks are and like the light can seep in Mm -hmm. and in that moment i was like oh like my ex-relationship really hardened me Mm. like i was i was not open to anything right and in came this thing that like cracked me wide open and it was like oh like I am capable of connecting with someone. Mm-hmm. I am capable of like feeling loved and loving, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think like in the same way of like, oh, I can only dance when I'm drunk or whatever. Like the minute you start questioning something, that's when the cra- the little like fault lines are produced.
0: The fissures. Yeah, and yeah. it's
1: and it's like you can't you can reseal up, but like they those cracks will still exist, you know? Like Totally. It's kind of there's like this um it's like a Japanese technique where like if there's like a cracked bowl, they gild the crack in, in gold. Mm. And so the, the crack becomes sort of part of the structure itself and is actually stronger than before. Right. And so it's like, yeah, you can like regild that crack, but the, that crack is still visible. Yeah. Right? Like that question still
0: exists. Yeah. Um, and it's beautiful. It is. Yeah, it is. It is. Those scars sometimes may, you know, they're the fiber you weave yourself with. And you need them. Not that you should look for them, you know, and search for someone to, you know, tear your heart out. Yeah. But when it happens, what you do with it is what matters, really. Yeah. So if you decide to harden it all back up again, well, that's one choice. And depending on your goal, that might not be the best choice for your goal. Yeah. You have to allow... It to kind of weave into, you know, I think again, I've said this a million times curiosity is your best friend. Just to be curious, you know, I did that last time. Am I going to do that again? How's this going to look this time? How do I handle this this time? I've seen these red flags before. What am I going to do with these? They're in a different package, maybe, but the, I recognize this. How do I handle it? Just that curiosity about yourself instead of judging yourself. I think so many people. So quick to judgment. So are so punitive. Myself included in yeah. my, all my twenties. I'm, I'm talking now as a 52 year old. Yeah. At 20, I beat the hell out of myself for sneezing. You know, I'd <laughs> sneeze and go, you idiot. Why would you do that? You've interrupted everybody. You know, <laughs> this is who I am today. That's yeah. not who I've always been. Yeah. But I try to still be curious I try to just hold on to that curiosity and to to, even when you screw up, to be curious in the screw up and say, well, what did I learn from that? And isn't that valuable? And well, uh, that
1: also like you're worthy of love, even when you make mistakes,
0: you are worthy of love because you are here. That's it. It's super simple. Love is an ethic. Love is just everywhere. It's everywhere. Yeah. And. The reason people don't feel it is because they don't allow it. You just don't open up and allow it. Receiving, if for a lot of people, is like true receiving. Difficult. Not greedy receiving Mm -hmm. or grabby or grubby. But really receiving is so hard for me, so hard for most people, to really just sit there and receive from the universe, from God, from your best friend, from your dog. Yeah. You know, to really feel that reception is very hard. It's very feminine. It's a very feminine energy to receive. Well, you I've know? been trying to,
1: I have a really hard time taking compliments. Like I'm so like, I'm so quick to like cut myself down to size yeah. where they're like, you look great. like my, my classic go-to is like, someone's like, you look great today. I'm like, oh, I decided to shower, you know, like I will immediately make a joke and it's sort of like self effacing where yes. it's like, usually I smell bad, you know? Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> um,
1: And so like practicing listening to people, mm-hmm. like listening is a receiving position. 100%. Like in order to listen, you have to be open Yep. and you have to just sort of vacate yourself of your own consciousness. Correct. And um, I find that like people are quick to judge like immediately when they are listening. And it's like
0: true listening is actually being neutral. That's right. That's absolutely right. True listening doesn't have an agenda. Mm -hmm. Because if you're really listening, you can't listen and formulate your agenda. It's impossible to do both at the same time, or thinking about what you're going to say. And then That's I what I mean. With that a lot. Yeah. What you like, say? Well, I, well, I can't yeah. wait till she stops talking, so I can say blah blah blah. Well, you now you're not listening. Yeah. Because you're not receiving. You're just busy formulating your output. Yeah. I think people generally
1: like, yes, we're constantly creating output, like mm-hmm. and 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 perceiving it as, oh, I'm helping you by telling you what you're doing wrong, right? Mm-hmm when i think it kind of goes back to like what we were saying earlier where like um like my dad was able to like recognize bert's talent and be like come back and tell that story right mm-hmm. like it's about receiving someone and validating that person
0: yes and when you receive them too i feel like you have to really feel them you know and sometimes that's scary for people so they just rather not yeah um to really be with that person. And like you said earlier, reflect back who they are to themselves takes a great deal of selflessness Mm -hmm. practice and practice and, um, a groundedness in who you are, Mm. because if you're taking in that other person and you're not grounded in who you are, it feels funky and weird. And now you feel bad about yourself. Because yeah. it, it it causes some kind of weird, funky self-esteem thing. I well, think. I think. Maybe how can not, you
1: hold space think. for someone if you can't even hold space for yourself? Exactly. Um, exactly. And it's, it's hard. I mean, I don't know. I think it, it's interesting. Like, I actually have been discovering that, like, I'm really not a judgmental person. Uh, no. No. Like, you could tell me awful things and I will be like, okay. Like, I will receive that information. And I think now it's like, I need to, like, listen, receive, and then, like, Think about like how to sort of like create boundaries, you know. Like boundaries yeah. are my big issue. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, like it's it's really frustrating to me when I encounter someone who is like unceasingly judgmental, and then oh, I have to come yeah. up to to the sort of the the sound realization of like, oh, they judge themselves like that, mm-hmm. you know, and like I've had to work to, and I used to be so judgmental of self, like. Mm-hmm. I walk into a room and I would, like, you know, hierarchize my body from big to small based on everybody around me. Right. You know, and yeah. it's like I had to work 10 years to, to, like, turn that off. Yeah. And I'm so thankful for that work because now I go into a room and it's like I'm not comparing myself to people. I'm just right. trying to show up.
0: Right. Um, but that is not the norm, you know? No, it's, it's absolutely that is not the norm. The norm is to compare and to... Compare and despair. And to... Agenda eyes, everything. That's not even a word, but I just made it up to agenda. I like I feel like sometimes when I go into big social functions um, that some people just are not present. They're just strategizing or um, especially in L.A., Yes, or agenda agendaizing or no. how can I get what I need from that person, or how can I get close to that person who is a big wig in this area? Yeah. and you're like, it's just why can't you just be present? Why can't you just let things happen how they're supposed to because so many beautiful things happen that when you're not in control of it, yeah. when you're just open to receiving and have an intention. You yeah. know, you have an int- I want to make a new friend. I hope I meet somebody great. Yeah. And then just be open and let whatever happens happen. But I also think that it it's sort of a function of like survival. Right. It is. Like, absolutely. It's like it's counterintuitive to do that. Right. Yeah, like to is. surrender rather than to manipulate. Yes. It's very counterintuitive. But I think at the end of the day, it makes you a happier person. Oh, yeah. Which is my goal, as you know. Yeah. Happy. I just want to be Happy. Right. Does it make me happy to manipulate and it not work out? Yeah. No. Does well, it make me happy to manipulate and it work out? No, because then I don't trust it. Yeah. Because then I know I've manipulated it. Yeah. So it's not real. Well, in terms of like when people
1: are in a manip- manipulated position and that they're trying to get something from you, yeah. like it's obvious. Yeah. Like I remember um, my dad's 60th birthday party. They did like a live podcasting event um, mm-hmm. at STK downtown and um, near the end of the party, I, like, went up to the bartender. and I was like, can I have a vodka soda? And he's like, I'm sorry, the bar is closed. And this woman came up. She was like, do you know who she is? Oh, God. You, This is Dr. Drew's daughter. Like, you need to get her a drink. And I was like, no, no. Like, it's totally fine. Like, don't worry yeah, about yeah, it. And yeah. in that moment, I was like, she's trying to be in my good graces by being a total asshole. Yeah. And it's actually working against her. Yeah, you know? right? It's yes. Like, you don't even know my name. Maybe
0: you know, like yeah, yeah.
1: And I think that when people go into a room being like, "Dear, there, there's so many big wigs, and I just want to flirt with the right person, or I want that job, or whatever yeah, it yeah. is," like people smell that on yeah. you, 100%. Yeah, and it's like, okay, if you're coming into the room and you're like, you know what, I'm networking, but I'm also not manipulating. Yeah, I'm not like I need to get in this right corner. Like, oh, do you know so and so? You know, it's just like mm-hmm. all that stuff. And and granted, like obviously like i'm in a very privileged position that like i'm born into the right family where i get to meet you and i get to sit here and like that's a whole thing but also at the same time like all along the way i've been cultivating myself i've been going to school i've been second city all these different things so that like when i do get to this point i can show up fully totally versus projecting a fantasy that i can't uphold right um and i i don't know it's just sort of it just feels like the world is twisted and weird. And
0: I feel like we're in a bit of a weird spot. We are. I think we are. I think we're in a bit of a lost phase. I think we've lost a real sense of community that comes from being forced to sit at a high school graduation without a device, going to church and not having a device. Uh, standing in line, perfect example. I thought of this today. I was driving Isla to school. And we have to drive by a middle school on our way to her school. And the, the gates open at the middle school, say, at 8 o'clock. And it's 745. Kids are lined up outside. Every single child is on a device. Yeah. And I thought to myself, if that were my generation, we would be talking trash up and down that fence. Everybody would be talking to each other. Yeah. We'd be developing relationships. Yeah. There'd be a fist fight. There'd be some human interaction. Yeah. And they are literal, like, probably 25 individuals doing something individually. And I thought, that's the problem. They're not going to understand how to date. They're not going to understand how to ask for a job. They're not going to understand how to deal with a difficult boss. Because they haven't done it with their peer group. Yeah. Where it's completely safe. And maybe I'm incorrect. No. Maybe I'm totally wrong. No, you're absolutely correct. I think... I watch my teenagers not dating. And I think it's because they don't know how. Yeah. Like they they don't know how to say, hey, would you like to go have a coffee? It's too scary and it's too easy to get rid of the scary. Like if you're lined up against the fence to wait to go into school, do you think uh, 25 10th graders are going to be silent without a device? Some asshole's going to start doing some shenanigans. And they're like doing armpit farts. Exactly. And then everybody else is going to, it breaks the ice and then we can all talk to each other. And that's how you learn to push through uncomfortable moments. And if you push through an uncomfortable moment by sticking your nose in a phone, you never learn how to do that with another person. It makes me super concerned about mental health in general we're not building resiliency there's no recovery there's no intensity that is with another person it's all perceived
1: um, well i mean it makes me think about how like you know throughout the pandemic that was how they were socializing yeah so they're practiced at that and 100%. so like no doubt they're like scrolling and like looking at pictures of the person that they're standing next to yeah and i think isolation is not in human nature Oh, we're tribal. Yeah. We're not supposed to be by ourselves. And I, yeah, I, I think sort of you're, 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 you're right on about sort of the the reluctance towards discomfort. Like-
0: 100%. And,
1: and you know, that's why I was stoned all the time. I mean, if I, if I actually had sat with the discomfort of my situation, I wouldn't have been in that situation.
0: Well, here's a big tip. If you sit with discomfort long enough, you will do something to get out of it. Yeah. You will. And some people choose- An altered state of consciousness, drug, alcohol, sex, food. And some people will do something healthy, you know, where they go, you know what, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go call my neighbor and see if they want to walk the dog together. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to apply for a job here just for fun. I'm going to volunteer, you know, I'm going to, I I don't know. I'm going to offer to babysit my neighbor's kid. Yeah. There's because you, you can't tolerate it as a person, loneliness or discomfort, really. Well, I think I'm sort of at this point where I'm like, what do I even like,
1: you know, like, and mm. so part of the artist way, here's my second prop of the day. Um, <laughs> so at a certain point in the artist way, Julia Cameron asks us to write a list of touchstones, uh-huh. which are essentially like things that bring you joy. Yeah. Um, and I haven't looked at this since I did this in like a March. Um, but like, here are some things that are on my touchstone list. Raspberries, Ooh. frozen blueberries and yogurt. Yum. Oreos, all of them are food. Jack, my cat, loud clothing, a blazer, um, Mary (laughs) Carr, my favorite memoirist, black ballpoint pens, velvet, Elvis, tune yards, the band, they're amazing, (laughs) swimming, baths, dance, live theater, soft, fluffy blankets, thick socks, the sun, nature dogs, praying to my grandparents, trees, hugging them, (laughs) journaling, singing, incense, candles, sea salt, amber, holding a crystal, AA meetings, washing my face and brushing my teeth, reading books and Uggs. (laughs) But like, that's like, I don't know. I mean, I haven't looked at that. I'm like, yeah, I can confirm I like all those things. totally. But also it's like. I mean, I'm great. I have this list sort of in a prominent place so that like if I'm feeling sad, I can be like, oh, I could just get raspberries. Yeah. yeah. Like that's like a simple pleasure. Totally. And I think so much of joy is like one, discovering what you like and two, like activating a sense. Mm-hmm. So like I think the body is like a brilliant instrument and in that like we have all five sen- for most people, they have all five senses. And if you don't, the other senses are heightened. So even better. Yeah. Um. And like. You know, almost as like sort of like an anxiety calm down technique. There's like, you know, like list one thing you can smell, two things that you can see, three things you can touch, you know, sort of like going through what are the things that I can experience bodily mm-hmm. that bring me back into this moment. Mm-hmm. And like, I I don't know. I just I think I feel in this moment where I'm just like, yeah, I know I like to ice skate or whatever, but like
0: I want I want to discover even more things that I like. Right. You know, like um. Because joy is at your fingertips. If it's a raspberry, honey, you can get that done. You know what I mean? That's yeah. an Oreo. You can find that at any convenience store. Yeah. And those are real. Yeah. That's not a joke. Yeah. That's for real. If that makes you really feel the most pure sense of peace, calm, happy, joy, bliss, then knowing yourself... You'll know what that list is. I love that you wrote that list down. Bert and I were talking about how his joy, he, he's able to access, he accesses his joy all the time, Yeah. but how he needs water, mm-hmm. like all forms of water, Yeah. hot tub, shower, bathtub, ocean. What's pink. his astrological I, what? sign? He's a Scorpio. Ah! <laughs> Why? Because I'm also a Scorpio and I feel the exact same way. because ah! yeah. you like fluids, if you know <laughs> what I mean. You're into the fluids. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm a Leo. Are you really? I am. I'm a Leo. No, nobody thinks I'm a Leo, but I am. I have an Aries moon, Aries rising. So I'm like fire, 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 fire. Well, that's why you can't like lay down in bed. You're like, I have to go. I can't. I have too much to do. And my, my Mars is in Leo.
1: So oh I'm God. like, all
0: fire, all at the top. It's insane. It's why I have so much energy. Yeah. It's why I burn so hot. Wow. It's why you I guys fire are... hose everybody. Oh, well, I was just thinking. So
1: I actually have a date on Friday yeah. with a, a surgeon. Oh, nice. I was like, my mom was like, date a professional, please. Like, no, <laughs> more, no more drug addicts, please. <laughs> and I'm like, but that's, I love chaos. <laughs> um. So I have a date with a surgeon. He's a Leo. And I was like, Scorpio Leo, like, I did a Leo, bat- brought Kristen into my life, but in terms of the relationship, not so good. But yeah. it's nice to see. That makes so much sense. Yes,
0: yes. That's amazing. So anyway, I I don't need water. I have too much fire. Yeah. Water puts me out. Yeah. I need the woods. Yeah. The green and the dirt. And I- that's what I need. Yeah. So if I know that and I'm having a bad day, I just go sit in the grass. I love yeah, that. I just go sit in the grass. It doesn't have to be brain surgery it can just be something simple yeah the next podcast just walked in so Uh, we have to wrap up but i don't feel like we talked enough about this i I know so you have to come back and talk about joy again so
1: i leave for new york i'm teaching there this summer oh
0: amazing Uh, june
1: 24th
0: oh i'm gone until june 24th are you serious i leave i have the most ridiculous next four weeks what are you doing well i have um my dad's coming in next week My daughter's graduating from high school. Wow. Um, Three days later, she turns 18. The day after that, I'm taking her and her Girl Scouts on a trip. And then as soon as I get back, the day I return with Georgia for her Girl Scout troop trip, same day, I red eye out with Isla's Girl Scout troop on a trip. Wow. And then from that trip, I'm going to my dad's house and I'm going to fully loaded tour for Bert. So I I, I get back the 26th. Of man we're just missing each other we're gonna miss each other so there's no way i could
1: possibly well i could come in virtually if you want me to or we can just catch each other in august oh
0: bummer i don't want to wait that long so when are you back
1: mid-august okay i'm teaching comedy writing to high schoolers at columbia
0: amazing yeah.
1: that's gonna be awesome it's it's a gig i've been doing for the past five years past two years have been virtual um, but I
0: love it. It's That's just so, so much fun. How cool. And you'll be yeah. back in New York. Yeah. Which in the be summer. I know. Ooh. I know It's going to be maybe not the best time <laughs> to go to New York City. Yeah. It's awfully hot. It is. That's when it smells. It smells <laughs> bad. Sometimes. And I have
1: spent a lot of summers partying there. So it's going to be interesting. How curious.
0: But I'm going to be working. I'm going to be doing Artist Way. Won't well, you be curious? Well, here's my challenge to you. Be curious to discover things you never have before in New York City, because it's there. I love that. Curious to find brand new everything. New coffee shop, new pizza shop, new whatever. Yeah, like actually, I mean, it's going to be interesting
1: because I was there for a decade. Yeah. And so I became, especially the last few years, I was literally just in my apartment and i think now is an opportunity to approach the city not as a resident but as a visitor. Yes. And that exactly. will sort of catalyze me into action i think a bit more. I think so. So i'm hoping that's the case and i'll find new meetings
0: and you know meet people and whatever and i get to teach i get to do the thing that i love most which is teach. It's such a dynamic city and you are in a very different place. I am. So i'm curious to know what your experience of the city is from this person. I am too. Yeah. I am too. That's very exciting. Well, so Artist Way starts. When? Artist
1: Way starts. So it starts June 5th and 6th. So okay. if you're listening to this podcast, come over to my website, paulinapinsky.com. There's an Artist Way um, tab. You can just apply there. Um, I have a few prompts um, for questions if you want to apply for the scholarship. Um I will get back to you as soon as possible because it, you, if if it's literally June 4th and you're seeing this like sign up if it's after June 6th and you you want to do it like you'll have to do some catch up but I'll I'll bring you on board you know Okay great Um so really anybody and everyone um it's going to be a really great group we do um Sunday 11am Pacific 2pm Eastern mm-hmm. um and then Monday it is 3pm p- Pacific 6 p.m eastern okay um and so basically it's a like it's um so basically a support group through the 12 weeks of the artist way Mm -hmm. um but really it's a great way to meet other artists it's a great way to be accountable i've heard a lot of people be like oh i started the artist way and i wasn't able to finish it yeah um because it's a commitment it is a commitment and it's it's deep work it's it's challenging work but i think in terms of unblocking creativity accessing joy Mm -hmm. like feeling empowered by your choices Mm -hmm. like I had a friend of mine who did artist way with me back in summer 2020 when i did it like for the first time with a group mm-hmm. she identified that she wanted to be a musician mm. and she wrote an ep throughout the artist way and now she is in an amazing girl band called the blushes amazing yeah and they are like performing all over la they're like literally my favorite band
0: that's awesome yeah. and, and she discovered that through her artist work in the artist way that's amazing and
1: so like as a teacher like it's it's so rewarding to see people blossom
0: totally and
1: so i think if you are kind of struggling like with aimlessness or unhappiness yeah or you know you know that you're creative or you have a creative goal and you don't know how to utilize it Mm -hmm. um this is a great way to both build community and sort of jump start your own connection to your creativity and your goals. That's awesome. So yeah. So there's the support group option. And then there's another option where you can do one-on-one coaching with me. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to do the, just the group, that's totally fine. Um, But also if you want extra support, like say you're like, I've always wanted to write a novel and I like, I want to do this summer, like. Then you could do that option where you're doing the artist way and like meeting with me and writing and things like that. That's awesome. Um, so I'm I'm really I'm really excited to do it because like I need the artist way back in my life, right? And um, you know, there's like little exercises like the touchstone and just so many brilliant things and um, yeah. So I'll be teaching comedy writing this summer. Um, always available for writing coaching generally. And yeah, I'm gonna be gone.
0: And I'm going to miss you. I'm going to miss you, too. I am. I'm, I'm going to miss I you, too. I
1: know. I, I, I just want to say, like, I was thinking, because every time we have these conversations, like, it's almost like we enter a vortex. And I'm like, what did I even say? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> right. Um, and so then I rewatch the conversations. And I'm like, oh, right. That was, like, really profound. And. And I really think about it and I feel, and I've said this before, but I just like, I feel like I grow so much through every interaction with you. Oh,
0: that's very lovely. It's really- I learn a lot when we talk. I learn a lot. It's nice to talk to someone who is not my generation, who is evolving and changing and learning and growing. It makes me realize how much I've grown and also makes me feel like I'm learning about what this phase of life is today. For someone, yeah. because my phase of life was in the 90s. Yeah. It's very different than now. And how you process the world has to be from an informed place. And so you inform me every time you come on that part of the world that I have no connection to. I have no way of getting that information. And not that that's why I talk to you. Yeah. I talk to you because I like you. I enjoy you. I feel like we have really deep, good conversations. Yeah. I feel like you're, you've are you become a really good friend. Likewise, And I feel like we're the same age and not the same age at all. Yeah, I Does agree. Does that make sense? I agree. So I look forward to our talks every time you come. Me too. But the side effect is that I learn a ton. So don't feel like you're the only one learning here. I am learning Probably as much as you are. That's so beautiful. Thank you for saying that. Of course. It's the truth. And I just like I love
1: like podcasting and conversation. I just like I'm so I'm so floored by the first time that I came in here. Mm -hmm. And I think there was a literal hole in my dress and I was bald and I was just like Dr. Drew's daughter. And I feel like what has been really beautiful about the trajectory of our friendship is like you've really allowed me space to be myself.
0: And well, that, yeah. yeah, who you are is beautiful. Thank you. Even the work in progress you felt like you were. Yeah. was beautiful. It's all been, you're just a beautiful person. Thank you. Beautiful person. I feel the exact same way about you. And I felt that from the moment you got here. Thank with you. With your dad. Yeah. It's always felt like you're just a beautiful person. Thank you. Someone everybody ought to know. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for coming again. Thank and you, you have so to come back again me. and talk more about accessing joy. I would love to do, do that. that. It's a super deep, big conversation, and we just got off on a tangent, which was completely what was supposed to happen. Yep. So I'll um, I, yeah, I'll have to think a little bit more deeply, and and sort of,
1: I think what will be sort of my task between now and the next time we speak is like believing that I'm worthy of being happy believing that I'm worthy of good things and feeling joy Mm -hmm. because I'm at this point where it's like I am more stable. I am more sure of myself. I am a better version of myself. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, it would be fun to like alter my consciousness and go out and dance or whatever. But also at the same time, like I feel like the way in which I'm able to show up to everything else in my life is dependent on my sobriety. Mm -hmm. It is dependent on my spiritual wellness. Mm -hmm. And so like as much as it's it's like, oh yeah, I would love to sort of like go to a beach house and have sex with a dude all weekend and Mm -hmm. smoke weed and drink. Like, yeah, the hedonist in me is like, Let's do it. Yeah, you know? yeah. But also at the same time, it's like that is not the path that I'm on anymore. And I've done that. Yeah. I've, you know, I've done the like love hotel in Tokyo with a man I just met. You know, yeah, like I've yeah. done it. Yeah. And it and I ditched my best friend on her birthday. You right, know, like right, right. I've done the bad behavior. And I, this is my Saturn return, baby. Like yeah. I'm almost 30. Like I
0: get to start off a new decade in on a really sure, positive way. Totally. So, and you know, you've done it. You can check it off the list, all these bad behaviors, so to speak. That's. Yeah. I think I got to a point where I went for my bad behaviors. Isn't that kind of boring? Yeah. Don't you want to learn something new? That's what my brain said to myself. Don't you kind of want to learn something new? You've been doing the same shit over and over again for so long now. You got it. I mean, like yeah. when Bert and I were dating, I had decided that um, I'd been to this rodeo over and over again. I don't need to ride every horse here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Bert! So with one horse, no, you scared now. the shit out of me. Dang it! You knocked my bra off. We're finishing, okay? Okay. Hi Bert. God, that scared the shit out of me. That was not nice. That was. You've been riding that horse for a long time. Uh, I may need to get off. I mean, come on. Anybody who does that, he just bucked me off. Um. Anyway. I love you. Thank I love you, you so much. Enjoy your summer. If, I, if for some reason I don't get to talk to you. yeah. Enjoy your summer. Thank you. You I too. I can't wait to hear what it's like and how yeah. you feel and how you process it. I mean, All's I'll be, be what, like seven or eight months I sober. I mean, shut up. That's crazy. It's
1: I mean, my hair will be longer, hopefully. And Georgia will be an adult and
0: graduated. God, I can't even think about it. I don't even want to talk about that. We're gonna keep talking forever and okay, they're gonna kill go. me. Cause they have to start the <laughs> podcast. But ah, I love your church. You Until next time. I think that we should